All right. So we read basically in Second Kings and I'll go ahead and put a couple of disclaimers out there, guys. I tried as I'm, I tried everything to write down this sermon. I couldn't. I couldn't. I shared this with a couple of the elders and my brothers and sisters know when they came. I don't think they're here yet, so I won't actually actually understand. But. I couldn't write it down, no matter how much I tried, I couldn't write it down. And this morning. I'm trying to parallel in my mind the concept of what we just read and let's go through it again. Second Kings chapter 12. And let me give you a little background. This this kid, Joash, I need to give you the background on it, guys, because if we miss this, we might miss a whole point of what's going on. So Joash is king. Right. And if we go to and by the way, we're actually doing a prayer line every day, uh, daily weekday, six to seven. And this is where this actually came about. And so what I'm basically saying is when you spend time in the word of God, he will give you a word. And. And so we get to the point where we're reading in chapter 11. You find. We read about Athalia, the mother of Ahaziah, Ahaziah. He was killed previously, if you read Second King, by Jehu, which was one of his captains. The mother is now what I want to go ahead and parallel and actually compare and contrast at this point in time. We will see two mothers. And we will see two different extremes of forgiveness. We will see two different extremes of forgiveness. This mother is so outraged. So outraged at the fact that her seed will not ever be able to be on the throne again. She decides to go to try to kill off. And not just decide, she does. She goes and destroys the seed of royalty and David's lineage. But how many people know that? The Bible says that God will always make a way of escape, always make a way of escape. So we find the story of Joash is found. It starts here. It starts when people are trying to kill him before he even knew these in his, his enemies. How many people know that there are people? And when I say people, I'm referring referring to the enemy, which the Bible tells us that the enemy is like what? A roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Okay, and so before you were born, he was trying to get at you. He was trying to find a way to kill you before your birth. And then not only was he trying to find a way to kill you, make sure that your family does not have a chance to continue. But God, God, our sovereign God has always made a way of escape. So let's fast forward. So you get to the point where we read and I'll read it for you. And second Kings chapter 11, if you don't mind turning with me. It says, and we'll start in verse one. And as you're turning there, I want to go ahead and read so we can move. It says, and when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him among the king's sons, which were slain. And they hid him, even him and her, his nurse, in the bedchamber of Athaliah. So he was not slain and he was with her hid in the house of the Lord six years. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. When God covers you, not only will he protect you for that day, but he will protect you forevermore as long as you stay with God. All right. So now what we must understand. All right. So follow me now. This is this is going to set the, the scene for what we just read, because what we have to understand is that when you get to the point where we're reading in chapter 12, we read that. 
Now Joash is no longer seven years of age. And it also tells us he reigned for over 40 years in the kingdom. Now he makes his decree and his decree is a bold decree. But it's one uh, we have to understand the reason of it. Remember, we just read he was in the bedchambers of who? Athalia. Now we must understand she was married to, uh, excuse me, not Athalia, but Jehoshaphat. Uh, and she was actually married to, we'll see, this priest here. And the priest is found when we're reading in chapter 12, Jeho- Jehoiada. And we'll see that in verses 3. Thank you. All right. And so what we find here is that God, when he does things, he does things in a complete way. He places us in his temple so we can remain in his temple with his people for our own protection. OK. And so what we find here is that when he makes his decree, he makes his decree. And I want to read it in uh, my version. It basically says, um, verse five, let the priests take it to them every man of his acquaintance and let them repair the breaches of the house wheresoever any breach shall be found. And so the story here, we find that he makes this decree, but the priest took 23 years, 23 years and did nothing, did nothing. I'm not sure about you guys, but that would work on my patience. So the first thing we have to understand with this concept, it's not about your position. It's not about your role. When you're exercising patience, it's about how you behave while you're waiting. So if you're going to assume the role as king, you need to act kingly. Okay, don't act like your friends that need someone to see that they're mad at you. And and also shows me. And when I was in campus ministries leading up, one thing that showed me when you eh, this is a very powerful concept. When you actually exercise patience and knowing and giving people the opportunity to see that you were just talking to talk, you never intended on doing anything. I gave you enough time when you finally come to a realization that you never intended on doing anything. I don't need to say it anymore. Now I just need to say we need to get this done. And so that's what the king did. And Jehoiada basically makes a piggy bank. And then he said, we're going to stop all the trespass and sin offerings. And so I read this story and God was like, this is a lesson on forgiveness. And I could not reconcile the two. And the funny thing, guys, is this morning, (laughs) this morning, because Brother Gary, when I thought about it, I thought about this actually being a concept on faith and finance, because you see, even there was accountability. There was trust on those that were supervising them. If you read on the later verses and I was like, man. These people won't trust me (laughs) because this doesn't reconcile. How does this whole story on faith and finance reconcile with forgiveness? And so we get to a point where God is now speaking and he's saying to Denard, he says, basically, what I want you to read, which we're going to actually look at is Matthew six, verse 12. And when you're there, say amen. That's the (laughs) that's the person that wants that star pupil award. (laughs) And um, if I can just take a moment, if you guys don't mind, I want to honor our special guests in your presence, in my presence, um, my parents and my brother and sister and my auntie. If I can get you guys to stand. Stand. Yeah, you guys can't lay. I'm going to put you guys out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And wave to the audience. 
Thank you. Thank you. And also, I have a, a two specific students that actually came to support and other students as well. Um, I asked Adeline and Sam to actually stand up for me. Please, please, please. Yeah. And and what I like about this, guys, is um, sometimes you don't know where God has you, that he's actually having you to reach out to people. And there was a situation that occurred to me. This is sidebar, by the way, has nothing referencing to this lesson. OK, uh, I didn't know why I was where I'm at. My end goal is to be a lawyer. That's my end goal. And but not my end end goal. My end goal is to do understand this is the concept is to not fight for rights, but fight for what is right. So I can only do that by following God's will. And so. These young ladies find in their heart. This is to stop by my office, even when they put me in the back, took me from the front office to say, hey, how you're doing? You know, and then when I invited them to church, um, they were ready, more ready and willing and able than I can say some of my colleagues. You know, so I thank God for having people to support you in times when you feel like you're being left out or isolated. And I also ask some of the other collegiates from our church, uh, Maranatha, to stand as well, please. Go on, come 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 on. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you. All right, and next we're going to jump right back to the lesson. So we're going to try to correlate these two. So I was trying to ask God, how does this actually make any sense? So when we read Matthew 6, verse 12, and I'm reading it in the NIV version, it says basically, and we forgive us our debts as we forgive, as we have forgiven what? Our debtors. All right. Actually, let's take it a little further. So God was like, now you see these actually parallel. There's a debt that means that needs to be paid. But there's a debt that has been paid. OK. And the problem is that you don't recognize that the debt has been paid. So now there's breaches in the temple. And then I was like, OK, I'm starting to understand now. Then now God places Joash in the position of king. Right. And God appoints. He never disappoints. So now Joash is a representation of Jesus. OK, the temple is the representation of us. And it says God is telling us there is breaches in your temple. There are broken relationship. There are grudges that you held on for some 23 years. So 23 years that you're still coming to the altar of God and saying, God. Help me and my children while you still have this debt on your back. God is saying. You need to repair these breaches before I can even begin the work that I need to do in my temple. You need to stop accepting all these other things, these distractions. You need to stop it and you need to come to reconciliation. We need to repair the breaches. So now God is placing me in a position to challenge us to repair the breaches. And so now we look into our next verse. And guys, I always say this. I'm. I used to always tell people that I'm a man of my word. Now I realize that means nothing. Broken promises, nothing. You're nothing if you're not a person of the word of God, because only the word of God stands. So that's why I'm presenting to you guys today the word of God. And I ask that the God that we serve speaks. So we're going to look at the next thing. And probably a lot of you guys know this. This is the parable of the debtor. And it's found in, I want to say, the unforgiving debtor. I like that subtitle. It says the parable of the unforgiving debtor. And you can find it in Matthews 18, 21 through 35. OK, and I just want you to write this one down. 
Okay, we're not actually going to read through it, but we know the story. Basically, correct me if I'm wrong, there's this guy that owed the king a lot of money. The king let him off, and he saw this other guy that owed him a lot of money. He did the same. He did what? He put him in jail. Why? Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm an interactive presenter, so it's not just me. Why, why did he put him in jail? Shout out some things. What happened? He owed him money. Owed him money. Now, he was just forgiven, but now he's finding it hard to do what? Forgive. For a little money. So we just sung a song. Jesus paid it what? All. So who are you? Who are who who can I be if I don't forgive someone? What am I what am I basically saying? You just place yourself in the position of God because only he can withhold forgiveness and he hasn't done that. So why would you? Why would you? And so now let's look as we continue. And it's a simple lesson today, guys. I'm not trying to hold you guys long, but I also want to take time to thank uh, First Church for making a, a, a bad guy look good, <laughs> basically, basically. And I also want to thank um, Elder Bill. Like, believe it or not, the conversations we had recently blessed me so much because a lot of people, do, do you, I'm actually, if you've done the Myers-Briggs, I'm an ES, ESFP. And I have a spiderweb approach of thinking. And so if you don't follow my spiderweb approach of thinking, you're probably going to be lost from the start and never be found in essence. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, he understood me. I love you. He understood me. And in, in his understanding, God gave me understanding on how to present this message. And so and then also I want to thank my my uh, I don't call him younger brother anymore. I believe he's the older brother. This young man has spoken on numerous occasions, and he's actually my uh, favorite spoken word artist. But he he came home, and they came in late, basically around 2 o'clock in the morning. Again, this is sidebar. has nothing to do with this sermon. Okay? I want to make sure that's clear. Um, he was basically like, he was so concerned. He was like, I said, I didn't write it down. I had to be honest. He was like, man, I'm going to tell you, you need to make three points. You need to, you know, get you a tagline. He he was giving me all the good things that I do with normal presentations because actually, by the way, I present at Florida State and I present to a room probably from 700 to 2000 people. OK, and I have the same setup. So I was like, I'm not using any of it. And he went to sleep. Right. <laughs> he went to sleep. But uh, we're going to get back to this lesson. So we see that there is a parallel parallel with the aspect of debt and what we find in the repairing the breaches and forgiveness. Okay, so now what I want to actually get to is to the rest of this story. So the mother, the guy actually gets placed in jail. And at first he was facing a lifetime sentence. Now, mind you, what I failed to mention, he killed his best friend. What I'm suggesting, guys, this is going to hurt. When we don't forgive, we're killing our best friend which is God. That just hit me. That hurts. That, that hurts. 
because I, I, I think about what it says on the old rugged cross. When you think about <laughs> he bared it to dark Calvary. And for him to go through all of that and for me, for just someone that owed me. Twenty dollars, I go back and put him on that cross. Come. All right. And so what we're going to do, we're going to get back to the story. So the the mother. Now, remember. The previous mother we read about, what did she do? She tried to kill off all the seed. Right. Right. But to no avail, because God Acts five verse thirty nine says something very powerful. Any man that has his own agenda and their agenda is, is against God, that's a battle that they won't win. They will never win that battle. Never. So we have to have that same assurance. But let's look at this mother. So we have this extreme. Now we're going to look at another extreme. The mother, this guy has nobody that comes and visits him, not even his own family. His family shunned him because they knew what he did was wrong. God knows the sins you're committing is wrong. God knows this. God knows that I'm not worthy to be here. God knows this. But God saw fit. This mother, she goes and visits him daily when she gets off work. She works two jobs. She works during the weekday and she works during the weekend. As soon as she gets off work. And I'm not sure about you guys, if you've ever done any visitations to a prison, you have to wait in line. It's not just you're not just going to get there and say, well, I need to see this person. First, you need to be placed on this list. And sometimes at some places it takes a month before you can even be considered. You know, and and so she's visiting him daily. The same man, she's looking him in the eyes that killed her son. That killed her son. Now, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but the closest thing that I've experienced to God's love is the love of a mother for her child. And to know that God never intended for a parent to have to bury their child. But she's looking at the killer of her son. But yet she's rejoicing. She's telling. And and this is what I love. When you give the love of God to someone and they know they're not deserving of it. Do you know there's one word that comes about that begins this whole conversion process? This one word. I've been leaving you guys alone. Let me come over here. This one word is the word why. Why do you love me? Why do you love me? God wants us to get to that point (laughs) to understand that I love you. We fail to understand that he loves us and we should understand that because he categorizes it and he explains it by saying one word. You are my beloved. I loved you before you even loved yourself. I loved you before you even knew I loved you. I loved you before you even knew the concept of love because I am love. And so God comes to the point where we see with this young lady, he moves her heart and she see, visits him every day. Now they, he's doing good behavior and he now serves 35 years in jail. Now, this is what I love. We're going to fast forward a little bit and we're actually about to close. We get to the point where. The same mother. This is powerful, guys. The same mother visited him throughout these 35 years. And when you see it, it's actually on. uh, They made a broadcast on it. She's now talking about how she actually made it to a point where when he got out, 
You know it's hard to find a job if you have a criminal record. She found him a job. Next to the apartment where she stays, she paid for him to stay. And then look at this. Look at this. She, she said this, and this is powerful. She said, I lost one son, but God gave me another. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So don't ever give me the excuse to say that you don't have no biological parents. God says, I am here for you. God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. So let's continue and see what it says in a song that says a heart that forgives by Kevin LeVar. And afterwards, I'm going to actually ask um, Shirley Leroy to come up and sing a song for us. But I want to read this in closing. Because the song is very powerful. And we're going to read something Ellen G. White says about forgiveness that my little brother wrote as well. And I'm asked that you guys just listen intently. It says a heart that forgives, a heart full of love, one with compassion, just like yours above, one that overcomes evil with goodness and love like it never happened, never holding a grudge. I want a heart that forgives, that lives and let lives, one that keeps loving over and over again, one that man can offend because your word is deep within, one that loves you without price like your Lord Jesus Christ. I want a heart that loves everybody, even my enemies. I want to love like you, be like you, just like you did. I want a heart that forgives. Even though I'm hurting, oh, I want a heart that forgives. When the pain is so deep and it's so hard for me to speak, I don't know about you guys, there's been times where just, now this is, this is, the, this is, this is the biggest difficulty. See, see, death makes it kind of easier for us to forgive somebody sometimes because they're no longer present. So we have to get to a point where but when they're that same person that, you know, is doing you wrong. They're coming into church when you're praying. You thought you had everything together and they have this big smile on their face as if they didn't know what they did to you. Oh, I forgot. And they say happy Sabbath. (laughs) And it says. To speak about it to anyone just like your son. I give up my rights to hold it against them with hatred inside. I want a heart that loves everybody, even my enemies. And so in closing, I want to challenge you guys to understand that there's no such thing as the concept of try and forgiveness. 